You're listening to the Feral House Podcast, Episode 4. Welcome to the Feral House Podcast. Our guest today is Danko Jones. I cannot tell you how happy I am to have this opportunity to talk to Danko and to share him with all of you. His book, I've Got Something to Say, is coming out in June, and he is honestly one of my favorites. I'm a rock and roll fan, and so this Canadian rocker has been doing it for the past 15, 20 years now. So thanks, Danko, for calling in and say hello to the Feral Fiends. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me, Christina. This is uh, a pleasure to be on the Feral House podcast. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to do it. One of the things that struck me when you um, sent me the manuscript, the first iteration of I've Got Something to Say, is the first story in the book you start with is the story of your love of Thin Lizzy. I'm a huge Thin Lizzy mm-hmm. fan. I just and just today we're recording. It is St. Patrick's Day, uh, very appropriate. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, yeah. So, tell me when? How old were you with the first time you heard Thin Lizzy? Uh, actually, I was. I mean, besides Boys Are Back in Town, uh, when I was probably you know I don't know uh, ten or eleven or twelve or I don't even know when. Um, but when I was really aware of Thin Lizzy as a band and Phil Linnett as a singer was uh, some, sometime in high school, there was a local DJ who basically, he just loved Thin Lizzy and he would play it uh, between six and seven. And that's how I got got to know who Phil Linnett was and, and Thin Lizzy. And, and, uh, and that was, uh, yeah, that was around that time. But I didn't really become a full fledged fan like I was with other bands until I don't know I just kind of sunk deeper into rock and then I finally understood them and I got them and then I became a, a huge fan after that and so you mentioned listening to it as as so many of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s did hearing it on radio what other bands struck you when you were a kid ready to pick up a guitar as that's what I want to do that's what I want to sound like well, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a quest to, to find harder and harder music. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I think my starting point is, is shared with a lot of people who like rock and roll. It was like Van Halen and Kiss and Motley Crue. And, and um, then I got into heavy metal and then heavy metal led me to punk rock. And then once I found out about punk rock and really the Bad Brains, when, when I discovered who the Bad Brains were, then I realized that there were really no rules when it came to music, even though around that time there were so many dividing lines between scenes. Um, but it was really the bad brains when I, I, I said, wow, this, there's really no, you know, there's no rules on this stuff. And I got, I got into everything. Uh, anything that I really liked, like my ears said, this is good, regardless of, you know, whether it's cool or not. I embraced. It's one of my favorite so, things in your book. Um, all the essays, all the pieces talk about that specifically to say this kind of genre 
of music, of is it heavy, is it metal, is it rock, is it punk, is really just a dividing line between people where really all all you can really put music into is two buckets. Is it good? Is it bad? Um, and yeah. I, I appreciate that as a fan. So tell me, what's one of you, the you, the favorite bands that you're listening to now that might surprise people? Um, geez. Well, the first band that comes to mind is uh, the band's called Here Lies Man. And that was my favorite album last year. And uh, yeah, I'll pretty much follow them wherever they go <laughs> they're they're a newer band but they've got kind of like a kind of a 70s afrobeat vibe to them and uh yeah i don't know wow. but, uh, that's one band that comes to, immediately to mind um there's a band that opened up for us in norway when we played uh just last fall um a band called loot l u with the umlauts t so it was, it, it's really Lut, but Lut, and uh, they sound like a cross between like the Hives and really our band. Wow, <laughs> probably why I like them. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like five or six guys, and uh, they play some really wild, wild rock and roll mixed with like a lot of a punk vibe. Um, I like asking musicians geez, who they're just, listening to now because you know if folks. Um, one, if you're a musician, you're a fan. And so I trust uh, a musician's recommendation for bands. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 like, I get so flustered when I get asked that question because there's like, you know, 20 different bands come to my head and then they all disappear and I can't think of anything, but those are the two that come to mind the quickest. Oh, Admiral Sir Cloudsley Shovel from London, England, we took them on tour because, I mean, I'm just such a humongous fan of those guys. And they're on a, a Rise Above Records, Lee Dorian's label, and um, a three-piece as well. Then there's a band from Rome, Italy called Judah, um, which is actually, I think they're getting, kind of getting a buzz in the States these days. And uh, they sound like sweet wow. um, meets, yeah, like sweet meets like uh, <laughs> the Bay City Rollers and... And, uh, I don't know, any, anything kind of glammy and good. And then back to Admiral Sir Cloudsley, they're like Blue Cheer meets um, Captain Beyond meets um, Motorhead. So I'm going to check yeah, out uh, all are, of those bands. Oh, oh, yeah. Those four bands, like, I mean, I, uh, I, I'm absolutely a humongous fan of. The Biters from Atlanta, they're great. Um, Night Flight Orchestra uh, from Sweden. They're amazing. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, eventually everything will get jogged. In, in terms of rock and roll, that, that's kind of what I'm, I'm listening to these days. Well, but I'll let everybody know listening on the off, like, that I'm going to make sorry? a list of every band that Danko's just mentioned. And on the blog page for the Feral House website, when we post this podcast, I'm going to put links up to all those bands so folks can hear them. 
Oh yeah, I stand by all those. Yeah, they're they're all amazing. Um, so well, one of the things I wanted God, to ask just, you about I, in the book is you talk about a lot of the stories you share are your experiences touring uh, throughout Europe. A lot of the the huge festival scene in Europe that some Americans and Canadians may not be as familiar with. Um, can you share a little bit about that experience of playing to the, those crowds are enormous. What is it? Sometimes up to a hundred thousand people. The most we've ever played was in Poland. We played Woodstock, Poland. And, um, we were told by someone there that it was half a million people. And we got on stage and it was definitely the biggest crowd I've ever been in front of. You know, when we got photos and everything, and I, I really, we really wanted to like show it on social media, as you do these days. In the post, I said like, "Oh, there's like a hundred thousand people." Woodstock, Poland. Whoever runs the social media for Woodstock, Poland, reached out to us and corrected me online in front of everybody publicly and said, "No, it was half a million people." <laughs> I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I just felt like I was exaggerating. Wow. If I was to say half a million people, but it really, it really seemed like it was. And I, I mean, I'm going to take their word for it. And so it was us and bands I, I didn't know. They're Polish bands. I, I didn't know who they were. And Anthrax. Huh. <laughs> so between the two of our bands, we're the only like English speaking bands. And, and I kind of had already you know, kind of made acquaintance with, with, uh, Scott, Scott Ian and, and Joey Belladonna. So when, you know, when we saw each other, it was like, Hey, you know, we weren't strangers to each other. So it was cool. And, um, it was indeed the biggest amount of people I've ever played in front of. Now, when you're um, on stage, been, oh, so when there's, when you're on stage facing and you can see that crowd of people, is that inspiring? Is it scary? Um, no, it, it, yeah, it's not scary. It's, it's, um, it's definitely exhilarating. It, it's exciting, but so is like, you know, 50 people in, in, um, I, like, you know, in, in, in some, some dive bar who are like freaking out and there's been shows where we've, we've played in front of like, you know, 30, 40 people and everybody's into it. Everybody's screaming like fun stuff back to the stage. And it's, it's really galvanizing. I, I come up with the best in between song banter in those moments, you know, whereas, you know, huge crowds at a festival, you kind of, kind of keep it simple, you know, and, and it doesn't allow me to kind of stretch out on banter, which is really what I like to do in the live show. Just, really converse. I, I prefer to just converse with the audience and then maybe, you know, s sprinkle in some songs in between whenever possible. <laughs> but, you know, my bandmates don't like that. They want to play the songs. Well, I think but, that uh, those, it... those shows and dive bars with like, there's been that where everybody's just so into it. And those are the best shows. Those shows can be magical. I have been in the audience for some 
bands that are very famous now when they were starting out where you're one of 10 people. And those kinds of shows actually are transforming, which I think I'll say this. Here's my plea for everyone out there listening to go support a local band. Wherever you live, find a band you think you might like and go out, pay the $5 cover and go and see a band play live. You will not get rock and roll uh, to sustain itself unless you go and support bands. So there's my public service announcement. Um, In the book, you talk a lot about some of your passions, your personal passions, uh, which I, I think it's really fun that you've come out of the closet as a Dungeons and Dragons player so what <laughs> what are, as a an 80s 90s kid how did you discover Dungeons and Dragons I should feral the listeners know by now that I'm in Milwaukee and last weekend here was the annual Gary con because Dungeons and Dragons was actually uh, founded by Gary Gygax in Lake Geneva Wisconsin yeah. and so the annual convention happens here um, and I have I will admit I have people that I've known since high school who are some of the main organizers of some of the gameplay happening. <laughs> well, I do have a Gary Gygax t-shirt with his, with his face on it. Um, I'm a TSR guy because I, I, I played it when I was a kid. Um, and, and so the article in the book, without giving too much away, is kind of like mixing the moment I was a kid playing Dungeons and Dragons to the moment I lost interest because uh, I got into you know music and kind of mixing the two worlds and making them live together. Um, and it's all tongue in cheek, but it's it's. It, it, I mean, I took a step back and I go, well, these two worlds should be together. <laughs> um, and I will say this: I did go to the Comic Con here in Toronto today. <laughs> uh, so. So yeah, that's still in my blood. I mean, I, I do love all that stuff. Um, and, and and being get you know being a metal like an old metal kid, it it it, it it's part part and parcel with that D and D definitely. You, you, yeah, you, right. you have to have had a brush with it at one point. If now, you're really into heavy metal. I'm thinking about this. So if I meet you in um, sophomore year of high school. Tell me what you're wearing. What do you look like? Uh, probably got a suicidal tendencies patch on a on a ja- jacket. Um, I went to an all boys school, um, and uh, that was my way of. I was like, yeah, I was probably the only one who who was into any of that stuff. And so. Uh, and so that's that's one of the reasons when I, I heard Henry Rollins speak when I was in high school, he talked about going to an all boys school, and I couldn't I, I related so much to 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 that whole uh, his whole experience, even his teachers. You know, I didn't go to military school because I think he went to military school, but I just went I went to an all boys school and it sucked. <laughs> um, now, how old were you when you picked up the guitar? Um, I was 14. I was 14. And, uh, I just, I just, yeah, I, I think I, I think the first song I learned was a Misfit song. 
or a Kiss song, one of those two. Or, or it was a, it was Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix because it has all the power chords, uh, all the major chords in it. And then the, the first song or songs I learned were, were was a Misfit song, which was um, Where Eagles Dare, I believe. And we actually just recorded that as a cover song. Uh, I just finished vocals on that last month. Oh. We actually did that song. That's recently. great. Is that for an upcoming album? It's for something. I'm not really sure. Just a recording. Some. I'm not really sure. Um, but... Uh, that and uh, a Kiss song, like I think it's "Lover All I Can" or or no, anything for my baby. I think was the first one I I figured out on my own. But yeah, those. <laughs> so it's still a melding of of rock, rock and roll, and punk rock. The Misfits were really what what helped me like really figure out how to play guitar because they were easy, but they were so good to sing, and the melody was just so so beautiful like his melodies are so amazing and beautiful so well yeah. i will say our engineer refers to uh glenn danzig as the you know heavy metal elvis so <laughs> oh ab- absolutely uh, absolutely and and uh if he is a fan i, I do have uh, a little tidbit from today's comic-con i did track down and buy um christar the Crystal Warrior issue number eight today. I own that as of today, so that is that puts me uh, a little more for uh, a little more higher in terms of my Danzig fandom than others. And he would know if he's a Danzig fan. He knows Christar, the Crystal Warrior issue number eight of an eleven issue limited series on Marvel Comics in 1984 and 85 was exactly where Glenn Danzig took the signature skull. He took that, and that is the skull that you see, like, on Danzig shirts and Sam Hain album covers. Sure. I, that I, skull was, was from Michael Golden, and the first time it appeared anywhere in, in, the, in the universe was on Christar issue number eight. I personally bow to your superior misfits knowledge, but I, I, <laughs> I know the fans out there are going to be excited to hear this. Um, as we think about that, I'm always interested, and I, when I talk to folks, I, I love hearing you know their way into like oddball, weird culture. Um, and it sounds like you picked up a guitar at 14, and you started finding through radio, metal, and punk, and all of that kind of so-called subversive kind of stuff. Is if you grew up in the 80s, and you'll be familiar, uh, listeners, with the uh, kind of idea of the satanic panic. So did you? get a lot of uh, kind of blowback from other people in school or, or parents or were, were they just going to just kind of be supportive and let you follow kind of the path you were on? Well, the boys school wasn't really like a private school. Like I, I said, I went to an all boys school. It was a Catholic school. So Catholic school was what it, what you think it was. So yeah, I read the satanic Bible when I was in high school and I did it in a way that, you know, my teachers and my fellow classmates knew I was reading the satanic Bible. Um, so yeah, I was always like, and then I read, I actually read it. And then I realized, wow, this is actually 
not what I thought sat- satanic or Satanism was. It's actually it's actually a pretty cool book, and I think everybody should read it. Um, and then actually that ties in with um, Feral House because a few years later, I think I was I was just just out of high school, or I was in high school my senior year, I ordered the uh, the uh, Secret Life of a Satanist book through mail order on Feral House because I wanted to know the the man behind the book. So it kind of everything kind of it's full circle. It it, it is. But yeah, I was trying to push people, but at the same time, I I I really enjoyed the book and I thought it made complete sense. Um, and yeah, I was trying to scare my teachers and scare my fellow classmates and stuff. And they already thought I was weird, you know, but that's how it goes. Yeah. And so now when you started the band, also, you know, named Danko Jones, had you played in bands previous to that or was this your first band? Yeah, I played in two other bands before it was, uh, they were short lived. Uh, the band right before this band, um, was a, was a two piece band called the violent brothers. And we fashioned ourselves off, off of, I guess the same bands, uh, Jack white fashioned the white stripes from, of uh, flat duo jets, the bass holes. There's a lot of two piece bands before the white stripes came around. I know they started a whole kind of genre onto themselves, but the revelators as well, I believe yeah. were a two piece band in the garage rock scene in the nineties. Uh, there was a lot of like wild stuff going on and two piece bands was something I'd never even heard of. And then I saw that I, 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 uh, there's a local band in Toronto that, that made some waves in the garage rock scene in, in the States called the leather Rappers, And they were the first two piece band I saw. And I, I still love them to this day. Um, and uh, they they come out of the woodwork and reunite for some shows every now and then. But the Leather Uppers introduced me to bands like the Bass Holes and Flat Duo Jets and and bands like that in the garage rock scene. Um, and so yeah, we had a band called the Violent Brothers. We recorded like I don't know three songs, but then there's like other songs of ours that were that I have live recordings of that never got studio recordings of. I've had him for years, but I lost touch with the other violent brother. He lives somewhere in Texas now. Um, and then before that, I was in a noise band called Horseshack, like Arnold Horseshack from Welcome Back, Cotter. That's a good band. And man. we were cool. Oh, thanks. <laughs> we are uh, a huge Welcome Back, Cotter, a huge Sweat Hog fan, a huge Sweat Hog fan. Um, and we recorded, you know, we wanted to be on Touch and Go. We liked, we liked bands off of Touch and Go. So we were like one of those noise rock bands that I think every other person was in in the 90s. So, so, what are the, so those, those are the two other bands. I think well, those are great influences. Um, and I think the one of the most um, interesting things in starting to do our podcast and talking to folks is I always make the reference to the Farrell family. Because what we're finding is I talk to more and more people is we all have these odd connections and convergences. And a lot of them are built around that cultural similarities of the things that we love, whether it's pop culture and books. Um, But one of the things I think that's interesting uh, is the very American misconception about Canadians 
and Canada. So tell me a little bit. So when you're touring, um, whether it's in the U.S. or in Europe, what <laughs> what's the biggest misconception that Americans have about Canadians and about Canadian rock? Oh, geez. Uh, um, well, you guys make fun of us a hell of a lot. We do. And you make fun of our accent. And that accent you make fun of is only in certain parts of the country. Um, and I am one of those people who are, I don't know if I have one of these kind of signature accents you guys make fun of. I'd like to think I don't. And I'm, I'd like to think I'm aware of, you know, keeping it at bay where we, you know, like for example, the word car, C-A-R, you guys say car, but we, there's the East coast side says car. <laughs> so I don't say that. I try not to say stuff like that. Um, but I guess you guys think we're really nice and I think we think we're really nice, but the truth of the matter is I think we're really just passive aggressive and we're, we make fun of you guys behind your back. Whereas you guys make fun of us to our face. Um, I think that's basically a big difference between the two, the two sides. Yeah. As Americans, I would say that we are masters of the single entendre. We, we really don't do well on masking it. But at the same time, there, <laughs> there's a phrase here. Um, I'm again in the Midwest, which is different from the East Coast and West Coast kind of uh, cultural personality types. And we have a phrase called yeah. Minnesota nice, which is the same thing. So here's your secret. When you talk to people from Canada or from the Midwest, when you think we're really nice, we're not. We're just being really passive aggressive. So, um, well, well, you know, in, in Minnesota, like the Midwest, like Minnesota houses a lot, a huge Scandi Scandinavian uh, population or, or ans an their ancestry is traced back to Scandinavia, right? Oh, yes. And I found Scandinavians are very similar to Canadians in that sense as well. I think it's so. a real dry sense of humor and that sometimes uh, the, the majority of Americans don't always get it. So that's our, here, again, yeah. an, another, another little tip for the listeners when dealing with Canadians and Midwesterners. So one of the things um, that really drew me to your book when you sent me the manuscript was that your stories aren't just stories. This is a really beautiful book because you've chosen to work with a number of graphic artists to help tell the story in, a, for lack of a better word, in a cartoon style. Uh, can you tell me a little yeah. bit on how you came to that idea? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm a huge fan of American Splendor, and I just loved how Harvey Picar, you know, utilized illustrators to tell his story. And it was always different because it was a, the next story would be a different artist. And you just go on this ride he takes you on, and it was always great. And he basically turned, you know, his humdrum life into something that was very, very interesting. So, so, uh, you know, knowing that device, I kind of hope I, I, I use that and leaned on it in a way, but also in getting the illustrators at first, I wanted to only get musicians who illustrate. So it would be a real kind of just a musician book, but then 
you know, I have, I, there's just not enough of them, <laughs> to be honest with you. I reached out to Valiant himself, from the singer from Valiant Thor, yeah. Juan Montoya, who was in um, Torch, and he was in, he's in Stallone. He, he did a piece. Uh, I reached out to Erie Vaughn from Sam Hain and Danzig, who did a piece. Damien Abraham from Fucked Up did a piece. Um, Michelle Langevin, who people know as Away, the drummer for Voivod, did a piece. And that, you know, I reached out to a couple of other people, but for one reason or another, they, they couldn't do it. But I wanted more illustrators. So I have a friend, a longtime friend, Gary Texali, who's in the graphic illustration world. He's a, kind of a big name in that world. So I asked him to do peace. Um, and then I thought, well, I got the inspiration and the idea to, to meld these stories and illustrate them from American Splendor. Why don't I get Gary Dumb, who did a lot of work with Harvey Picar on American Splendor, to do an illustration? It's a long shot, but let me try. And he was totally cool, and he did four pages of panel for the book. Which, and that story that I, that he illustrated um, was just something I wrote, and I gave it to Gary, and and I think he knocked it out of the park. And that's one of my favorite ones. And then Mary Fleener, who I was a big fan of with her Slutburger comic book i thought i could never even like get in touch with mary and she um she's real cool she emailed me back and she did a great you know three pages for it it was really yeah so yeah in the end i i really enjoy the group of illustrators that are that participated in the book um, i'm really proud of the whole group of them and and, and how they're all associated with this book so, and um, it, yeah, it was all to do with American Splendor. It, it turned out again beautifully. I mean, I'm biased, of course. We published it, so uh, but your Danko really did the yeoman's work here in contacting artists and putting this uh, book together. So this is truly his vision, and again, we we are behind it. 100%. One of the things um, to talk about, especially for American fans, is you haven't played here in about five years. And I know you've got a show in the United States coming up. Can you tell people about that? Yeah, we're playing May 16 at uh, the Viper Room in L.A. Um, and yeah, it's going to be with Circus of Power opening. And they're just kind of renewed rejuvenated and rebooted the band and and they put out um an album i think last this year last year called four and nick oliveri plays bass in it and brant bjork played drums on the recording and our buddy scott scotty slam is playing drums with them now so the circus of power dudes are, are opening in super bees with uh scott carlson from repulsion they're playing uh, as well so it's going to be a stacked bill at the viper room the reason why it's been a long time it's been a it's there's a number of reasons and of course i won't get into it because it's kind of boring for listeners i think but we also like really just played america to the point where okay now we have to go <laughs> and not come back for a while we kind of overstayed our welcome and then that just turned into another year and then another year and then another year and so hopefully you know, we're, we're starting to come back and, and the response from 
the announcement of the May 16th Viper shows, Viper Room shows was actually surprised me, and I'm glad. It was a good surprise, so real positive feedback from it. So we're, we're looking forward to it. Of course, we stacked the bill because I love Circuits of Power. And, um, yeah, so, yeah. Well, I want to let listeners know that um, in addition to the May 16th show in Los Angeles, there will be other um, events uh, around that same time period at area bookstores and other things that we're cooking up right now. Uh, so opportunities for you to meet Danko, to have him sign your book, um, to ask him dumber questions, hopefully, than I'm asking right now. Um, but so keep your ears tuned to, um, you know, any of our podcasts, we'll let you know, as well as our website, Danko's website. We are going to let you guys know when Danko is nearing your hometown. And you tour a lot. And where else are you going in the next few months? We are doing a tour of the UK. We are going out with Skindred and CKY um, in the UK from mid-April to the end, beginning of May. And then we're going to do a couple of shows in the Benelux uh, area. And then it's summer festivals here and there for the summer. And, uh, and then it's just talking to people about this new book. I've got something to say. And um, we're going to have launch events and book signings uh, throughout Canada and other places maybe in the U.S. We're working on it. So it, it's all a bit of a, um, a coordination project. Uh, so, But Danko is going to be doing a signing in Toronto as well at the uh, Toronto – is that the Technical Reference Library? Am I getting that right? The Toronto – yeah, the Toronto Reference Library. The that's Tor- how I know it. Okay. And um, that's uh, yeah. in June. And again, we'll let you know about that as well. Um, one of the things that we're excited about is we at Feral House have a long history of putting out books, publishing books, um, by folks involved with rock and roll or about rock and roll. And so I think Danko's book here um, will be really interesting to our feral fans because it's really a a little bit of a different voice in the sense that Danko's there. He has been on stage, backstage, and in the bus, and this is your chance to kind of hear his version of kind of what happens there. Tell me, is there any story that you didn't, kind of put in the book that might be surprising to people? Um, I will tell you this. We, we tried to keep, we tried to keep the stories in the book. I hate to use the word positive because it just sounds like squeaky clean and, and cheery. Um, not positive in that sense, but just like, uh, I I just got such a an opinionated mouth that I put my foot in it a lot. Um, so we did leave a, a couple of articles out that might have been, you know, interpreted as mean-spirited <laughs> just because, hey, listen, I'm in the biz. I don't need to burn bridges, you know, just for one article with a band I've burned enough with, with other bands, you know? So, um, we kept those out and, and just kept it kind of like not so mean spirited, but 
Well, they're um, really funny. That's one of the things. They're they're really funny and entertaining. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Danko's. I'm a fan of the book. And I think that this is one of those, if there was ever like a rock and roll beach read, this one's going to be it for folks. There are, there are a couple of ones where I, you know, I had to, we had to keep it out because there's one article I'm thinking of, and I don't know if I should mention it, but it's about a band that I just, I just think is a clown show. And, um, I basically, the article was, or the, the piece was me describing their album art. And the only way that, the only way that anybody could understand what I'm talking about is if we print the album art. And I just, I think that would get us into a lot of trouble. So in a situation like that, we had to leave it out because I mean, that would, that would get us into a lot of possible legal hot water. Um, so those kinds of articles are left out. Um, but everything else I think is that, that was kept in was, with stuff that I'm, I'm pretty super proud of. I think some of it is like hard fought, hard earned stories that I, I share in the book. Like I, I, I earned this story. God damn it. You know, I lived this story. So now I get to tell it and what, what better form to tell it in, in the book. Um, so I'm proud. I stand behind a lot of those kinds of stories in the book, you know, and they're really readable. That may be one of the surprises um, for people picking up the book is Danko's actually a damn good writer. So um, this isn't, you know, just, oh, yeah, it's not, it, it's fun. It's fun to read and it's well written. So I really do encourage folks to pick this one up. It, it, it's a fun read. Hey fiends, thanks for listening to the Feral House podcast. We do this about once a month, talking to Feral House and Process Media writers, as well as members of the extended Feral family. You're part of the family. Let us know if you have any questions or if you have an idea of someone we should talk to. You can send me a note at press at feralhouse.com, P-R-E-S-S at feralhouse.com.